0: Good morning again, and uh, welcome to First Baptist Church Monterey. Happy Mother's Day to all of you to whom that is appropriate, which is pretty much everybody. Either you had a mother or you are a mother, so it's good to be uh, greeted on this hallmark kind of day. Uh, we do have a children's program to allow the mothers to concentrate and have a little break, maybe, from their kids. Uh, so the, if, if your child is four years old through fourth grade, They may be dismissed at your own discretion. You're certainly welcome to keep them in here. In fact, occasionally if they make a little noise, that's better. It sort of wakes everybody up. And a little bit of chaos is sometimes really good in the middle of a sermon. Because it's like, what, what, what? Something happened? (laughs) You guys are a jolly group this morning. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, So welcome. And we are studying through uh, the book of 1st Corinthians, and just to tie it in with motherhood and Mother's Day, I've titled it The Way It Should Be, The Way It Should Be. Not the way it is, but the way it should be. Really, motherhood is an awful lot about the way things should be. Uh, You know, if you think of the ideal perfect mother and the, the mother idea. It's when things are, are warm and loving and comforting and challenging and probably tasty and uh, memorable and hugging and laps and lots of warmth where uh, Charlotte's gotten into this great habit She's actually I think she's helping running the children's program, either that or she's just playing running. ha, ha, ha. No. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, got into this great habit of checking out of the library uh, books on tape, and uh, she just got uh, East of Eden out and i read, I read the book uh, too too long ago. I think I, now that I've been listening to it on tape, I want to read it again uh it's a very intense book and it's written right about this area john steinbeck uh lived and worked here and it's uh, interesting because it's all about the salinas valley which is where we're connected to that valley uh even just the first chapter the descriptions of of the mountains and and the sun and the grasses and the trees and the birds and the frogs and all that is it's just you know he's a great author uh but he's following uh a couple of families, and one of the families are the Trasks, the, the, the Trask family, and I'm not going to give you all the details, but I just want to zero in on, on one idea that I just listened to uh, yesterday. Uh, there's two boys, Adam and Charles, and they have two different mothers. Adam is the oldest, and his mother died, um, and then Charles is the child of the second wife, and she's a very closed-down woman. She doesn't express emotions. In that household, the father runs the show. He's a military guy that has a wooden leg from the Civil War. And he runs the show, and he will, he will give reward and affection and everything to the boys. He's, you, know, you know, he's raising the boys. But there's this beautiful little moment that just, it's, a, it's really motherhood, because Adam walks quietly into the kitchen one day and he's quite young i don't know exactly i can't remember but let's just say 8 8 or 9 years old and he sees his stepmother smiling and he's just blown away because she never smiles and it actually overcomes him with emotion he's overcome with emotion and he, and he swiftly leaves the house and goes uh, and out to his hiding place he has a hiding place in a stump and he inside deep in there he kind of nestles in, sort of nests in, and, and John Steinbeck, the author, says, because it, it brought to him all of this feeling of the, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, of the way things should be, of love and, and and lap and warmth and affection and you know he's longing for the mother who will really, really love him. And he misses that. We're we're made as human beings by God. We're made to desire perfect relationships. You know, you're made for permanence. You're made for love. Uh, you're made for heaven, paradise, where things are right, where things are the way they should be. It's also interesting... Uh, uh, Pat Tori and I, Pat who led the scripture and prayer today, we were just chatting yesterday about how it's. I think it's probably maybe a good trend, but it seems like the the current movies coming out of Hollywood are so realistic. They're they're just not even happy anymore. You know, it's like the end of the story is like, oh my goodness, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. Um, uh, I reference, for example, *La La Land*. Uh, you know, it's just like, "Wow, that's actually really sad." Uh, at the end, it's, it's just not right. It's it's wrong. And and the, Hollywood is saying, "This is the way it is. It is broken." But they don't believe it's really broken. They just say, "This is the way it is," and we must embrace it and may, maybe accept it the way it is, as a broken, unsatisfying not-perfect situation. The Bible over and over and over again, really, to sum it up, is to say that it is a story of God's interaction with his people and revealing himself. And so many times the revelation is, this is this is what I want you striving for. This is what I want you growing towards. And... That's what the church is. The church is called the body of Christ. And we're to be unified and loved and encouraged and, yes, reprimanded and you know, straightened out, directed like a, a mother would do, for example. But it's supposed to be a wonderful relationship that we, we, we grow through. We love. It's stimulating. And it's, it's permanent. If you're a part of the church, you will be a part of the church forever. You'll be the body of Christ into eternity forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. You know, it's, it, That's the way it will be. That's the way it should be. Um, we just sang several great songs. kind of fun to do, unplugged worship once in a while. And uh, that one song we sang said, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. Imagine the trumpet of God sounding. You know, we say, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. There's that exciting... Coming. The trumpet will resound. And, you know, and what's that saying? There is, there's a future of perfection coming. And we'd love to have the faith be sight. We walk by faith currently, not by sight. In other words, we're still called to to faith even when the sight is discouraging. We're, we're, We're called to be abundantly optimistic in God. And through the word of God, always hoping, always pushing, always praying for God's growth, God's healing, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I I find that yearning of little Adam Trask, uh, even in the words of, of Scripture so many times, and currently, certainly in our Scripture today, this yearning for the, the body the way it should be, as opposed to in Corinth and in Monterey, <laughs> the way it actually is, too many times. Uh, I also want to, uh, it is a dangerous thing, and never do this, by the way, as a public speaker, But I just want to apologize (laughs) because (laughs) I've only been preaching for 32 years, so I'm still kind of new at it. (laughs) And I always over-prepare. I always have like three sermons. And uh, so my idea is that I'm going to try to be succinct, and I'm not going to be in a hurry, and I also don't want to keep you all day long. So I'm trying to balance all those good things together. And let's just pray right now that the Lord will do something much greater than I can ever do. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Would you fan the flame of desire to be connected to you through Jesus Christ so much better, a better connection? And would you blow into the sails to move us along through your spirit, O Lord, please. And would you allow us to, to yearn, to crave love, and and connection and reality and growth because uh, of your spirit, I pray. We always always and only pray through through the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone, our Savior, our, our, our champion. We, we thank you. Amen. All right, so in the spirit of First Corinthians, we're going to be looking at the last half of chapter 12, as I have outlined there on this is sort of my electric, you know, chalkboard. That's pretty much all we use it for. Um, and let's go ahead and read the text. Uh, the the first part we looked at last week, and we'll just let's just jump into verse 12. So, First Corinthians 12:12. 12, 12. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Lord, that is blessing to the reading of his word. All right, so let's look at this. I have have four major parts here to think about uh, in, in this section of scripture. First of all, how we came to be one body. The very first part of my text today. How did we come to be one body? Well, it says here, verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, what is this about? Well, this is actually describing what happens to us spiritually when we come to God. One summary of coming to God is, look at Romans 10, 9, and 10. This is talking about our our side of of what's happening. Um, I just want to read a couple of verses here. This is Romans 10, 9, and 10. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we hear the gospel, and he says, you confess with your mouth, that's to say, openly, to say that Jesus is Lord, which is to say Jesus is God, he is master, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you're saying, I believe that Jesus went through death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that. He says, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. This is the broad proclamation of the gospel. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Those who deny him, those who do not believe in him, those who say no to God, they will be put to shame. They will bear their shame for eternity. So that's our response. But, but what's happening in the background? How, how do we get saved? Well, what happens is, in, in, in a spiritual realm, the Holy Spirit does lots of work in us. The Bible says he rebirths us. We're born again by the Holy Spirit. And here it's, it's describing it as we're being baptized by the Spirit into Christ. And this is something that actually spiritually happens. Daniel was talking to me about baptism. Daniel's right there. Hi, Daniel. You awake still? Just this morning he came up and asked me about Brigida and Kolbjorn because they were baptized and he saw that. And he said, were they dunked all the way under the water? Because you can't really tell what's happening back there. We could be sneaking something, you know. And he wanted to make sure that they were actually dunked all the way under the water. And I said, yes, they absolutely were. Um, That water baptism symbolizes, simply symbolizes this actual spiritual baptism that happens to you when you come to Christ, and it's just all this wonderful miracle, you see. God opens your heart and mind, and you see you need the Savior, and you call out for salvation, and the Spirit rebirths you and connects you with Jesus Christ, and you're, you're made one with Christ for eternity. You're now a part of the body of Christ. Uh, there's a lot of good references for that. Let's see, I got, did I write those down? No, I don't. God the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. In lieu of time, let's look at it real quick. It's so important. I want to look at it. Romans 6. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the book just prior to 1 Corinthians. It's Romans and Romans chapter 6. Again, this, I believe, in Romans 6, it's, it's talking about something greater and Deeper than water baptism. But water baptism symbolizes this greater, deeper, actual, spiritual function. The Holy Spirit connects us with Christ. Um, I want to pick it up at verse 3 of Romans 6. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See, this is that spiritual Holy Spirit baptism where we're connected with Christ in his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Paul, again, is teaching here that there's an, I think, an actual spiritual baptism, as he says in our passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So that's how we're saved. Also another good reference is what I preached on at Easter, Colossians 2, 11 through 13. And uh, oh, you can jot that down and look it up. Here's, here's also another good one, Galatians three, twenty-seven. for as many... Of you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That's Galatians three twenty-seven. See, that's an actual, deep, miraculous, spiritual event that changes you forever. You're born again. You're connected with Christ. You you are now to walk in newness of life. And water baptism symbolizes that. Let me quote here. This is a great. Baptist, commentator, theologian who uh, lived from 1863 to 1934, A.T. Robertson, he says this about this verse. Um, he's a, he loves the Greek. The Greek word, of course, is baptizo, and it's a aorist, passive, indicative. You now, You were baptized. This is something that happened to you. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit baptizes you. He takes you and baptizes you. It's passive uh, for us. He says, and so a reference to a definite past event with each of them of different races, nations, classes, when each of them put on the outward badge of service to Christ, the symbol of the inward changes already wrought, which is the English word already done, Already done in them by the Holy Spirit. So that's A. T. Robertson. He's saying that water baptism symbolizes what's already happened to you. Uh, we baptized Colbyarn and my da- daughter Brigida. They're both two of my kids that we baptized a number of months ago, and they were already saved. They'd already come to faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit has worked a miracle in their life, and they confess it to be true. Yes, I believe. Yes, I have been saved. And then the water baptism, you see, symbolizes what has already happened. So how did we come to be in one body? Well, God did a miracle. You know, I believed, and he saved me, and he changed me forever. Now I am a part of the body of Christ. Uh, there's this also a very unusual phrase. Uh, we were made to drink of one spirit. Uh, We were all made to drink of one spirit. And that kind of references John 7. Look at, this is a beautiful moment in the life of Jesus. John chapter 7, uh, verses 37 through 39. Jesus wasn't always that quiet guy in the corner. Uh, At this point, he was very loud. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Imagine this big, bustling crowd. Jesus stands up and demands all of their attention by saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of of living water. And then John makes a comment on this. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him, that's who, if you believe in Jesus, you will receive the Spirit, for as, this, as, for as yet the Spirit had not uh, been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this, the Holy Spirit wasn't indwelling believers up until after Jesus was glorified. And then Pentecost was the coming of the holy spirit but the point is jesus is saying man are you thirsty come and drink and you'll drink of the spirit and the spirit will t- not will change you from being a thirsty person to becoming a a well a water source uh, uh, it says a out of you will flow rivers of living water so and again it's the same passive verb you were made to drink of the spirit the spirit nourishes you as you come to him all right how do we come to be in the body it's the work of god when we come to christ and believe he changes us and connects us with the body of christ what if i want out paul deals with this in the next part in 1 corinthians 12 well you know, this body thing, it's, it's kind of difficult. You know, I discovered that when I joined the church, other per- people, other purple and people, were imperfect <laughs> at that church. And so I'm literally, you know, I'm searching for the church where all the perfect people go so I can destroy it, right? I, I can be the rotten apple. <clears throat> what if I just want out? And that's what he says here, uh, you know. Because of dissatisfaction with what with what God has made of me, he says some people just just want out. Verse 15, for example, if the foot should say, "Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. I'm just going to opt out. I'm sick and tired of this. It's so frustrating. Because why I." I'm not the ear, or I'm not the eye, or I'm, I'm, I'm not something that I really wanted to be. I'm ha- you know, having an argument with God. I'm dissatisfied with the way it is. And so I'm going to opt out. I'm just going to leave. Do we have that opportunity? And of course, Paul says we cannot simply opt out of being in the body. You know, if you are a believer, does this say you are, you are a part of the body? I've got time. Think it over. Okay. Absolutely, right? It's almost dumb to ask the question. Look at verse 27, please. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's who you are. You can't opt out of this. You are a part of the body. You cannot simply opt out. Your mother would say, you need to be yourself. (laughs) You are a part of the family. This is who you are. You can't just say, I want a different family. I, I want a different mother. I want a different personality. I want a different job. No, no. This is something that God has done in you. You've placed you in the body, and you trust his sovereignty that he knows what he's doing. He's the sovereign God over all. God has given you some gift to be used in the body of Christ. Is very clear in our passage. Um, look at verse seven, please. First uh, Corinthians twelve seven. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you have the ESV, uh, could you read along with me? First uh, Corinthians twelve seven. Read it loud, out loud, with me. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Excuse me, dear friends, is that the word of God? Who is excluded from that? Those who are not a part of the body. Those who are not believers. Those who are going to hell because they have chosen not to receive Christ as their Savior. Those are the only ones excluded from receiving some sort of giftedness I think there's actually um, a, uh, an outline of different kinds of gifts uh, where in, in Paul here. Where Let's see, where is it here? Uh, oh, here it is, here it is. I, I think it's, it's right where. See, look at verses 4, or 5, and or 6. I'm not sure it's a hard outline, but in other words, you say, well, what kind of gift do I have? I'm, I'm not, I'm not a great musician. I don't like to sing. I, I, I don't, I can't play the drums like some plays the drums. Um, I can't preach. I don't like to teach. What, what, what kind of thing am I, what, what did, okay, what am I supposed to do? Right? Well, look, I think there's a, an indication here. He says, look at verse four. There are a variety of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. There's gifts services, and activities, and a variety of all of them. I don't think there's any definitive list in the Scripture that says, this is it, that's all there are, there are no more other gifts. No, when he keeps saying varieties, 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 he's saying there's there's something God has given you. Maybe it's an activity, maybe it's a service, maybe it's a special gift, but it's to be used in the body of Christ. If you quit on it, see, if you quit on it, if you, Say, I just want out. I want to be saved. But I really don't want to be part of this whole body thing. Why? Because it's frustrating. Because I discovered that those people are sinners like me. And besides, they have a different gift, and I don't really like them. <laughs> Nobody would ever say that. Right? And yes, they would. If you quit on it, would you agree with this? You rebel against God? Please, of course, we just read it together. It says everybody's been given a gift. So you're saying, "No, God. No. I rebel against you." Secondly, do you hurt the church? Yeah. Cuz the church is like walking around without a right arm. You know, it's like it's 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 a part it's a partial thing. Maybe it doesn't have a neck. It doesn't have one eye. It's blinded one by eye and can't see out of the other, right? Because why? Because people are saying, "Well, uh, you don't know my life. I'm busy. I'm consumed. I'm hurt. I'm hurt so bad." Yes, I understand hurt, but this is the way to overcome it. Get involved with real life. The way be a part of the solution. Be a part of the idea of this is the way it should be. We want it to be this way. and you stifle your own growth. I put that on the end because it's so true. In other words, you're hurting yourself. If you were made to be the the thumb on the left hand and there's no thumb on the left hand, the body's hurt. Yes, you're uh, you're rebelling against God. Yes. But you're also hurting yourself because you were made to be that left thumb and it's really cool to be a left thumb. Okay. What if you want out? Sorry, can't go there. Doesn't work. Well, can I go it alone? Can I be a man unto myself? My church is in Yosemite under a sequoia giganteum. And I know the Latin, but I don't pronounce it correctly. (laughs) Those are the big trees. Hallelujah. I love those trees. can I go it alone? What do you think? Of course, you know the answer is going to be no, right? No. But that's exactly what Paul uh gets to in this text. He says, uh, I already read fourteen, fifteen, um, 17. Yeah, let's see. Let me start at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. See, that's that rebellion part. I don't like the way you chose it, God. If all were a single member, this is hilarious. You know, he's making a really funny illustration here. If if the whole body was an eyeball, you know, first it'd be hideous, right? And, you know, well, I guess eyeballs are pretty, but have you ever seen the back of an eyeball? You know, stick that back in there. I don't want to see this thing. Um... No, you know, it's, no, 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 no. The eye, look at verse 21. This is my point from the Holy Scripture. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The eye simply cannot say, I'm going to go it alone, because I see the world. Yeah, well, how are you going to get that? Get out there. <laughs> how are you going to get underneath that sequoia him without the legs, without the feet? In other words, no, no, of course, you cannot go it alone. You you cannot simply assert your independence. This is just another form of ridiculousness, really. The, there there is a difference in honor. This is what we have to get used to. He's saying some parts are more honorable, some are more modest. Some people do their thing and never know it, and other people do it and they get you know big praises for it all the time. You know some pastors preach. You know, decent sermons and do incredibly well. Some pastor teach, you know, sort of boring sermons and do not that great. Um, different honor. And we just, okay, Lord, I, you know, I want to do what you want me to do and I'll do the best I can. And I leave the results to you. And ultimately, he will honor us as he desires. There should be no division in the body. Don't you hear the yearning for what should be? You know, there it is. There should be no division in the body. That's the way it ought to be. But unfortunately, because of our self-centeredness and our rebellion, uh, we hurt God's plan. And so we should. And look at here's the here's the beauty. He says we should care for one another. Uh, The body should be a loving, wonderful place. Um, this is in verse 25, is where I'm talking through right now, that there should be no division in the body. You don't want to be separated from your mom. In life, you will be, and you have to be, but in the in the good world, there's no separation. But there, but excuse me, no division, but but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one suffers, all suffer together. That's the way it should be. We bear each other's burdens. If you're suffering, I'm suffering too. And then uh, the other one is, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. I, I don't want to turn there, but I just want to throw it out as a big, huge, broad reference. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is one of the most beautiful statements of Christian ethics. How should we live? What should we value? And it, it tells you how to get along with people. Uh, and one of the things is rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve, what he's just said here. You know, if we could just figure that out, we'll go a long ways. I've done an awful lot of hospital visiting. And that's um, one thing I've absolutely learned. Please, when you're going to the hospital, don't think I'm going to cheer them up. You're supposed to be of the same mind with them. And if they're grieving, you come in grieving with them and weep with their sorrow, weep with their loss. I'm sorry, little excitement here. You know, that's what, that's, yes, eventually we want to comfort them and bring them to rejoicing, but that's not your job. It says weep with those who weep. We've got it. We think rejoice with those who weep. Let's go in and be a clown and try to cheer them up. No, no, that's not the way. Again, Romans 12, I throw it out, broad reference. It fits right in here super well. That's the way the body should be. It's a beautiful, wonderful, loving, embracing, pure place. We should suffer together. We should rejoice together. No, so you cannot go alone. Celebrate diversity. <laughs> That's the last part of the text where he says, "Hey, come on! Variety, variety, variety! There's tons of variety here. We all have gifts, but each has a different gift. Uh, not everyone has the same gift, service, or activity. There's that kind of kind of outline. You have a gift, a service, or an activity that God wants you to be used to be using for His glory. Not everyone has the gift of foreign language. I put that in here because see verse." The verses uh, 29 and 30, there are rhetorical questions and all of them have the same answer. No. Okay. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Teachers? No. Do all people work in miracles? No. Do all possess the gift of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. The reason that's kind of significant is because I think it was 1906, a new American denomination developed. And one of their key doctrines was, if you are a Christian, you will speak in tongues. And by that they meant uh, ecstatic, babbling, uh, not a foreign language, tongue. In other words, and if you don't do that, you're not a Christian. This is what, that's what they taught. And I'm just pointing out that obviously uh, that's not true right from this Holy Scripture. We're going to be talking on this a great deal more, and I don't want to spend any more time on it today. This is, I'm going to sum it up. I've said an awful lot today, uh, but but it's all nice, one little package in the Holy Scripture. First of all, you start with, how did we get to be a part of the body of Christ? It's by a work of God. And it's something you want. You want desperately to be a part of the body of Christ. Because the other option really is horrible. This is the only option for life, for eternity. We became a part of Christ's body by the miraculous work of God. We believe and he rebirthed us. I didn't choose to be born to my mother, but I was born. It happened to me. I was very passive in the action. We didn't decide to join. We were made to drink. Yes, we're saying yes to Jesus, but what the point is of text is you didn't actually have an option to be baptized into the body, so you cannot option out. You can't just make up your own rules on how you're going to relate to the body. If you do, you're doing it wrong. Summing it up, you simply cannot decide not to be in the body. If you quit on the church, you, here, you may not be saved at all. It's a reasonable thing for anyone to wonder well, they absolutely quit on the church, maybe they don't know Christ at all because they're not, they don't seem to be a part of the body. Secondly, you, if, if, in best case scenario, you're in rebellion against God. You're saying, God, I don't like the way you made this and I want to be a part of something else. Or you are robbing Christ's body if you are opting out of the church and you stifle, stifle. That means to stop somebody from breathing, to choke them, to push them down hard. You stifle your own growth. If you opt out, if you quit on the church. Summing it up, our goal must always be to function as a healthy body. That's what we're growing toward. And you know, we never achieve it, but we have little bits and pieces of it that, you know, hopefully we can glue them together and make it a little better. We have moments of beauty, even, even like a, a lady's tea, you know, for you know, a few moments there was this beauty and glory and happiness going on. Maybe in a small group. We met, we had our small group meeting a few weeks ago and at the end of it several people texted, wow, that was really great tonight. There was this, there was this body function that actually worked for a while and it was, it, it felt good. If we can say it felt good and we can. All right. That's our goal. We don't nev- See, we should be optimistic, driving, pushing. Uh, I put it this way, craving. Like Adam Trask. He wants a mommy. His mom died in a very bad way. And he has a stepmom, so immature, she can't figure out how to, to show affection to her kids. And so when he accidentally sees her smiling, he's overcome. He's crying. He didn't even know there was softness and beauty there. Why? Because he's craving for what he's made for. We ought to be craving for growth, love, health, connection. And I believe that sums it up. I have a little bit more. <laughs> One more slide. We must celebrate the diversity of gifts in the body. Do not covet others' people's gifts. Do not belittle others' gifts. And do not be proud of of your own gifts. Let me pray. Oh, Father, we do want to be your body and to live together and grow together in love and love and serve you uh, to, to be functioning effectively for your glory. This is what we desire, and we do crave it. And, and we, we see bits and pieces of it, and we, we thank you so much for that. And on this Mother's Day where motherhood just represents all that's right and good. We know your Holy Scripture represents that too. And we, we confess together, we want, Lord, to not, be, not to be rebels, and not to break your heart, not to quench you, and, and not to grieve you, but to honor you and be what we ought to be for your glory and trust your sovereignty. In the name of Jesus Christ alone, Amen.